This week, we talk about the cypherpunk movement, its relation to the origins of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, and how the fight for privacy rages on. Welcome back, listeners of the Swerve Podcast. It's your co-host, Izzo. I'm also joined by Magnum, as well, the other co-host. What's up, everyone? If you're a first-time listener and you're wondering what the fuck you've stumbled across, we are the Swerve Podcast, and we are two random dudes on a mission to understand everything in the universe, one obscure topic at a time. So our premise here is very simple. Every week, we pick a listener-requested topic that swerves off the mainstream path, something we usually haven't heard about, and we research it and discuss it on the fly during the podcast. Before we get into that, though, I believe, Izzo, you have some uh, important messages to say. Yes, I do. Just quickly want to tell everyone that we do have a Patreon. So it's patreon.com slash the swerve podcast. There you'll find two tiers. There's a $1 ride the wave tier. And what that'll give you, it'll give you access to all of the episodes that we release on Patreon. So it's one episode a month. You'll get the access to the entire library of episodes for just a dollar a month. We also have the $3 slap the ass tier. And what that'll give you is you'll get the access to the bonus episodes, but you will get both the main and Patreon episodes a few days before everyone else. So you'll receive them on Sundays rather than the typical drop time of Wednesdays. Sick. So we also have this tradition on the podcast. Izzo, do you want to enlighten the listeners what we got going on this week? Of course. As many of you know, we like to drink on the podcast. We also take your recommendations for drinks. We like to experiment with drinks and just kind of increase the fun of the episodes. So we usually we start with a round table, just quickly go over what each of us are drinking for this episode. So yeah, I'll start us off here. So this drink that I have is actually a listener recommend recommended drink it's from our good friend and patreon yes rodimus so he his suggestion was gin tonic and cherry seven up but here in canada it's very hard to find cherry seven up <laughs> yeah. you can't just find it everywhere uh so what i opted out for or opted in is the black cherry pop i don't know it's some local brand maybe or a fancy brand you'll see it on our instagram so that's where we like to showcase the drinks that we have on the episode so you'll find it there and uh maybe make it for yourself let me just try it real quick well, how is it it's good i think i put way too much gin in here <laughs> <laughs> i was saying to Izzo before we started the episode it's funny because like when you go to the united states you can literally go into like any store it doesn't matter what the hell it is and there's like every type of soda like vanilla coke cherry fucking lime shit like twist like anything you can imagine is there in canada it's like we have coke and diet coke and like coke zero we don't fuck around you have to go to like weird yeah weird candy stores or whatever to get like different flavors yeah there's like clearly a different uh demand for consumers <laughs> between the two populations and we're so close it's so funny yeah like, what, do, what about you oh, what are you fuck, drinking yeah i'm doing uh so i got two things going first thing that i'm sipping on it's just very basic it's just a uh, rye whiskey and coke but then i have this concoction i don't really know what to call it i was trying to think of something clever but i couldn't i've got a uh, an ounce of caramel syrup with an ounce of butter ripple schnapps and then an ounce of rye whiskey uh, topped with Coke, and then I have a large ice cube in it. And it's actually not bad. I don't know what you want to call it, though. Like, it's 
It's kind of car- like butter ripple schnapps and caramel go good together. Whiskey and it's like kind of like yeah. a Burt Reynolds, but like a, a cocktail. That's what I was going mm. for. You know, like a Burt Reynolds. Oh. You seem like you're disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe by my okay. drink. I don't know. <laughs> very bitter okay i see in my mouth yeah this so. isn't bad i it's uh i that's i just a burt reynolds cocktail we can call it that that's essentially what it is not bad sounds good sounds good okay should we just get into the basics of today's topic let's do it it's a lengthy one i think so <laughs> probably so okay so this this topic is a um how did this topic come about so this this was it kind of had to do with like the great reset stuff that we talked about and the federal reserve episodes um this is it doesn't seem related right off the bat but we're going to be talking about the cypher punks today so I, i that might not that might not mean anything to anybody but this is an extremely interesting story where you have like a group of hackers that essentially <laughs> uh like stop the ministry of truth from being a thing and for those of you who don't know what the ministry of truth is it's a reference to 1984 just for those of you who don't know what 1984 is it's a sick book it's like george orwell like classic <laughs> classic book um and it's really cool like this story it's about it's a story about these cypherpunks these these hackers these like computer nerds who literally like stood up to the United States federal government and advocated for free speech um, through code. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible story. It's, it was too good not to do. But just while we're in the basics, I just want to frame what the hell we're talking about before we get into the nuts and bolts of this story. Basically, because like cypherpunk, it's a weird word. So the definition, a cypherpunk, is any individual advocating widespread use of strong cryptography and privacy-enhancing technologies as a route to social and political change. That was the Wikipedia quote of what this is. Um, essentially, like, I should even say, Izzo, did you know, did you know, have you heard of cypherpunks before in any context before we did this? No, never. Uh so I didn't really know what to expect, but uh, yeah, the research was very interesting. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was into it, so I hope the listeners are too. It's, it's crazy. It's like a small group of nerds that just like dummy the United States government. It's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and pretty much like lay the foundation for you know technologies that we're seeing yeah. today. Or yeah. Um. So essentially, their dream the cypherpunks it was to enable the future of human freedom that's kind of like that's the bedrock of what they were doing based on everything that i looked into it's like they they just want to <laughs> like what's wrong with that human freedom like that sounds pretty good so you have these nerds they're just like fuck yeah let's go let's do some human freedom shit and they did they they kind of had a belief um especially this one guy we'll get into him his name was david chom where there's kind of two worlds and this we have to think i should even say this is like the 1970s this is like coming up this movement is starting and these people they're thinking ahead of like how the internet's going to affect things 
And they really saw like two ways the digital age would emerge. You either have complete Orwellian control, like 1984 style, where it's a complete surveillance state, which, you know, in a lot of ways, like social media and things, I would say they've kind of overextended a little bit. Not a little bit, like like in many ways, um, definitely. <laughs> so that's like the one future where it's like complete, you know, Orwellian state, like social credit score systems, um, <laughs> like like banks completely controlled by like a central uh, bank, like all financial instruments controlled by this central authority or radical individual freedom. Those are like the two choices you have in the digital age. Because if everything is, you know, like we're kind of already are, everything's kind of based online. Um, you either have it geared towards individuals or towards a central authority. And if it's geared towards a central authority, um, this is the, the story's oldest time. Power corrupts. Once you have power and you centralize power, power begets more power. You use power to get more power. And at some point, then you have these censorship issues that arise. Um, and you, you could see the issue. Like, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. I'm just essentially, yeah, Essentially, the two worlds are you, you're either going to accept the terms and conditions without reading it. Or you're gonna read it and be like, "Nah, I don't. This app isn't worth it." So those are the two choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, this guy David Burnham, he warned of a complete um, of complete state control in 1983 in his book called "The Rise of the Computer State," and the idea was like you would literally have like a Big Brother state, or it, the possibility, the tools are there to allow it to happen. And honestly, like looking back already in 2022, the year of recording this, you start to see a little bit of this creep in the West, like in, in Canada, like we've made national headlines for like people's bank accounts being frozen um, for like protesting and shit like that. Whatever people's beliefs are, like we've seen a creep like this, not as much in the West as in other countries like they're you know like 50 percent of the world still has like authoritarian like dictatorships and it's like they're fucked so this is a part of the conversation like we don't really think about like look at like the censorship in china from the ccp you know it's like in a way society has kind of shifted towards that big brother state already in many ways. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So I mean, just look at like how much information TikTok has or like you, you just mentioned yes. like social media, they've over reached into our personal lives. They have like so much data on us uh, and we're just okay with it. But then you think of like uh, countries where it is a dictatorship or you know, <laughs> yeah. somebody else has control. It's like, if they have this data already, you can't even speak out against your own government. You can't really tell the world what's going on without being like censored or, you know, yes. even killed. Uh, and that was kind of like what motivated uh, or a part of what motivated some of the cypherpunks. Yes. Um, was just yes. to like, if we, everyone, if you can enable people to like that have the technology, the internet, a way to like, anonymously you know speak the truth uh, without yes. being 
fucked by their governments, uh, then why yeah. not do it? Yeah, empowering individuals is like their the idea here. Um, so, like I was saying, like they believe that they could prevent the Ministry of Truth per se, and like that's just like such a that that idea is just like pure sex to me. Like, like I remember I don't know. Have you read 1984? No, I haven't. Holy fuck, that book is insane. That book is incredible. I remember reading 1984 and I was like, oh my, you start seeing like parallels even in, um, you know, your quote unquote free society that you live in. And you're like, oh, this is kind of like that. Or this is kind of like this. Oh, oh, I see this and that. These parallels started arising when you read it. And it's kind of fucking nuts. So like, I remember reading this at a very young age. And this probably colored my, my, my views massively. And like the Ministry of Truth in um 1984 like they have like labels for all their like government institutions that do the exact opposite of what they're called so like the ministry of truth is just like a propaganda machine and they'll just like spread lies and like the what the newspapers and like every you know every instance of what they say is just is just the opposite or like the, the ministry of love it's like in charge of like war and like killing people and like assassinating people that disagree like it's like everything's the opposite so when I'm saying the Ministry of Truth, it's like it's it's it was a big deal. And that book was revolutionary, like fucking, you know. This is the, the the concept of Big Brother, the concept of you know Orwellian state that all came from that book. It's an incredible book. Um, and you'll like the cypherpunks clearly are influenced by this, um, in some way. But anyways, the idea was they kind of believed that. And we've actually talked a little bit about this on the podcast, that innovation and technological changes um, are powerful ways that society organizes. So they believed that only through innovation and technological changes could you actually have checks on control. So their idea, like, you might expect... um, a common trope in today's society is like, oh, you just, if you don't like something, just like vote for it. And, you know, people will get elected. And, you know, you can make change by engaging in the democratic process. To them, they're like, this is ludicrous. Like, we've been doing this dance for so long. Um, You know, clearly, the only way you get your your way is if you have like a huge lobbying budget. You know what I mean? Like, like the individual in society is like the. It's like picture you have a big ship, like the Titanic. Uh, call out to Patreon exclusive number twenty five. Titanic never sank, and you're trying to steer it. It's like as an individual, like you can barely do fuck all to steer that. Like, yeah, you can vote, I guess. That's not going to change shit. Like, really, really, like it's it's lobbying and things. So they're like, there's no way that this is going to do it. We need to create technologies that empower individuals and enable freedom because just getting it through social constructs, that's a, that's a, that's a sucker's bet, especially moving forward in the digital age. So that was kind of their idea. And it's, it's the, the name of the, the cypherpunk. it came, it was derived from the words cypher and cyberpunk. So like those were both things in the ethos. We know what ciphers are, obviously, like the decoding devices that people used um, to like pass messages and shit. And cyberpunk, you know, internet's arising. So they were like, yeah, we're the cypherpunks. 
And actually, the word cypherpunk was added to the dictionary in 2006. So it's it's a real word in the dictionary. Use um, that in Scrapple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep that one in your back pocket. <laughs> the so just just to kind of get us through the basics here, the the movement began in the 1970s. Essentially, this was at the time. Um, very few people had computers and the internet was really just to connect military and government computers only. So in the encryption that was used for military or spy agencies, it really just applied, you know, to like military and government computers. Like that was the point of the internet. The internet rose because military and governments, they needed like a decentralized way to communicate. So they created this, they created the internet. Like it, it wasn't a consumer thing to begin with. This was military. So, and you know, if you're on a network, you want to protect your communication. So they have encryption or people designing encryption systems. Now, um, it was, I think the one of the first, it was called the data encryption standard. And this was a U.S. Govern, government publication that that information came out, like how to do this encryption with these systems. And this is early, like this is the seventies we're talking about. The an important thing that came out of this it was called public key cryptography, and this was work by this guy named Whitfield Diffie and Martin Hellman. Um, basically, you can send private messages that others cannot solve, um, kind of creating like the equivalent of a digital mailbox. So you could put messages in but you you needed a key to actually take it out essentially so like if you tried to see this message you know it would just be like a scrambled bits of data but if you have the key it's like a cipher right you can decode the message yeah. so they came up with that early on um and that was in the 70s this is kind of when you know the internet is a thing it's not really consumers yet but like this is this is where it comes from this other guy, Dr. David Chom, who I brought up earlier, he was like a big player in the cypherpunk movement um, in the 1980s. And even today, like he still goes on podcasts and like he's like, fuck the government, fuck this and like, <laughs> like encryption and like all this shit. He's he's a fucking badass. He's still like pissed off and like, like angry at authority still, even today, you know, 40, 50 years later. Um and he wrote this thing. It was called Security Without Identification Transaction Systems to Make Big Brother Obsolete. Kind of a callback to uh, uh, 19, the, the book 1984. And like he was a big advocate for encryption. And his ideas um, really, I guess, helped push the movement. They kind of coalesced the thinking. And they're like, this is a movement that we, you know, the internet's on the rise. Like, we're going to need this. We might, you know, this is a thing. This is huge. Um, it, which is kind of crazy to think, just reflecting on it. Like, the 1970s and 1980s, you had people like, oh, shit, this is huge. And, like, everyone else is, like, you know, just, like, calling, like, with landlines and shit. And they have no idea what's coming. And like they probably thought it was stupid when they were told about it, and it's like no, 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 this is huge, this is massive, you know. And they're like, eh. it's like no, this is like, I just, I just like that because you kind of see parallels today when everybody's like shitting on cryptocurrency and shit, and it's like no, 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 this is fucking huge. Like this is a big, th and this is kind of ties into this topic immensely when we get later into it. But it's just 
kind of interesting to reflect on. It's like, it's the same shit. These guys were like way ahead of their time and they were right. Um, so the cypherpunks, this was a group of cryptographers, hackers, and misfits that discussed and advocated cryptographic research. I, they, I guess they officially formed in 1992 and they had a mailing list. Like they literally communicated. It was called the cypherpunks electronic mailing list. So they, all their communication was like, you know, this is before like group chat and shit. So they just had, that's all they had. They just had a fucking mailing list to use and like hoped it worked out. (laughs) Um, and as I mentioned before, like their goal again was to empower individuals by like radically defending privacy rights. So they, again, like they didn't, their attitude was very like objective. It wasn't like, Oh, let's just rely on hoping this happens or like stating this is what we want and like hoping our wishes fulfill themselves. They were like, no, no, no. Like we're in charge of this. We shape our own destiny. Let's fucking do this. And their mantra, the mantra of the cypherpunks, it was, quote, cypherpunks write code, end quote. And I just think that's sick because it's like, it's like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, we're here bitching and complaining. Like, fuck this. This isn't fair that like people can spy on, are going to be able to spy on people and shit. And it's like, what are we going to do about it? It's like cypherpunks write code. Like, they're not just bitching in a mailing list. They're like literally designing encryption technology that everyone uses today it's sick similar to like the term uh learn to code that was going around a few years ago and then people (laughs) just got banned for it just by like saying learn to code because it was like a movement on uh fighting yeah but that was wasn't that like derogatory it was like the idea was like ai systems are replacing your jobs so there's like oh just learn to code isn't that why people were mad about it (laughs) Yeah, but like people got <laughs> blocked for it. Oh, this yeah. It's kind of like the same thing. It's like cypherpunks write code, learn to code, and you can become a cypherpunk or. <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of technology that these, that like literally the cypherpunks were people, like members of the group were like directly responsible for or played a role in. So they were responsible for end to end encryption the Tor network, BitTorrent, SSL, PGP encryption, um, literally code becoming protected as free speech. Um, the, and most importantly, like now, the rise of decentralized monetary systems. So like, as we already mentioned, the colloquial term is cryptocurrencies, you know, like Bitcoin and shit like that. But like, everything like kind of came out of this which is which is fucking nuts. So um I have I have some quotes that what we're going to read before we head out of the basics here but the the principles and ideas of the group they kind of were encapsulated in a very famous article by this guy named Eric Hughes in 1992 and it was called the Cypherpunks Manifesto. And it's really short. Um I just have a few excerpts from it that uh we'll read so this is a few quotes from the manifesto quote 
Privacy is necessary for an open society in the electronic age. Privacy is not secrecy. A private matter is something one doesn't want the whole world to know, but a secret matter is something one doesn't want anybody to know. Privacy is the power to selectively reveal oneself to the world. Privacy in an open society also requires cryptography. If I say something, I want it heard only by those for whom I intend it. If the content of my speech is available to the world, I have no privacy. To encrypt is to indicate the desire for privacy, and to encrypt with weak cryptography is to indicate not too much desire for privacy. We must defend our own privacy if we expect to have any. We must come together and create systems which allow anonymous transactions to take place. People have been defending their own privacy for centuries with whispers, darkness, envelopes, closed doors, secret handshakes, and couriers. The technologies of the past did not allow for strong privacy, but electronic technologies do. We cannot expect governments, corporations, or other large faceless organizations to grant us privacy. We must defend our own privacy if we expect to have any. Cypherpunks write code. We know that someone has to write software to defend privacy, and we're going to write it. End quote. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, I just, I just love this. It's, uh, just one of those things. It's just like, fuck yeah, let's fucking go. Let's do it. Like, we're just going to do it. And like, uh, needless to say, like governments and central planners, like freak the fuck out because the movement, right. It's like a direct threat to establish power structures. Yeah. And this is like a way to undermine that power. Um, so they're like oh shit gotta regulate like it's just how it always is even even today with the cryptocurrency shit going on like oh we gotta shut it down it's like well you can't so sorry (laughs) it's like fuck you (laughs) good luck (laughs) what is it we can't just shut it down like we just shut it down it's like how stupid these fucking boomers are (laughs) they're just like (laughs) Yeah. Just shut it down. It's like we it's the internet, bro. Like there's no fucking off switch, man. <laughs> that always happens. Like even in the US, <laughs> they were gonna like ban TikTok. And then it's like <laughs> I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, it's like yeah. okay. Yeah. I, it's crazy. Um anyways, so <laughs> Essentially what happens. So they actually, they do. They're like, we're just making it illegal. (laughs) (laughs) Cryptography is illegal. So they try to like snuff out the whole movement. I remember like, I should say the cypherpunk mailing list. I have it later in here, but I think it's like 2000 people. You know, it's like, it's like barely anybody. It's like, it's like not a lot of people. And they're like, we got to, we got to shut it down. Cause it's like, you know, there's like a hundred million people in the state. I don't know how many people were in the States in the nineties. Let's say yeah. 150, 200 million. I don't know. And there's like 2,000. They're like, oh, this is going to un- destroy everything. Which and also funny. like the the like fines and penalties that they were threatening were like ridiculous. They're like, yeah, you're pretty much treated as like a terrorist or. Yeah, they were. Like, they were terrorists. Just war, war criminals or something like that. Oh, it's so stupid. It's just terrorist. That's like the number one yeah. thing governments use. Like, you're a fucking terrorist. <laughs> they did it in Canada too. It's like yeah. you're a fucking terrorist. I just don't want to get. Oh shit! Do we get canceled for that? <laughs> shit! <laughs> we need cryptography on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
anyways, let's move through this story. So where, where I'm ending the basics at, governments freak out and they make everything illegal. And this is where that's kind of the story starts. Before we continue the episode, if you are enjoying our anonymous podcast, the people you hang out with probably will too. Do us a solid and please pass on this episode to your social media friends on Facebook, Twitter, or other platforms. We would definitely appreciate your support. I'd like to also take this time to shout out some of our valued listeners. Shout out to Jenny, Nancy, Freshly Brewed Noir, Mr. Chavez, Juicy James, John Stetix, and Alexis on Instagram for the kind words post-hiatus. Also, shout out to Brandon White, Adam Strauss, Mirren Jewel, Mr. Bojo, and Dana over Facebook for the nice words and interactions. Lastly, shout out to our newest Patreons, BM Games and Tim, for supporting us and coming in at that slap the ass tier, sending good vibes and karma your way. To everyone else, feel free to submit your topic or drink recommendations at www.theswervepodcast.com. May good karma and vibes be with you all. Back to the show. So... 1992, this guy, Eric Hughes, he's the guy who wrote the manifesto. This guy, Timothy C. May and John Gilmore, they found a group and they meet at Gilmore's company in the San Francisco Bay Area. So they, they're they kind of meeting and talking about shit. And they, they, they found the cypherpunk mailing list in 1992 as well. And like they're they're basically just meeting on their own, discussing mathematics, cryptography, computer science, politics, and philosophy. And you know they would talk about shit like philosophy related to um, being anonymous, government monitoring, the use of pseudonyms, um, reputation, corporate control of information, personal liberty, and privacy. And like the personal privacy and liberty were kind of like the paramount considerations in this group um and so here here's the numbers they had by 1994 they had 700 members in the cypherpunk mailing list and by 1997 it was 2000 so like that's not a lot like at all like very niche group it's kind of like this podcast (laughs) yeah i was just thinking that (laughs) Of uh, yeah, very niche, um, and like you know, disruptive nonetheless. Like the governments are freaking out. So they, there's there's a, a number of principles. I'm gonna try outline them um, as we go through this part before we get more into the story. But like, they would advocate privacy of personal communication. So the group is fundamentally against government control of cryptography. Um, and they, they felt like strong cryptography is viewed as the, or sorry, they viewed strong cryptography as the only strategy to guarantee real privacy of personal communications, right? Because like, as everything's coming online into the digital age, they're like, well, if there's a central authority that can monitor personal communications there's no such thing as privacy. So they're like, we, you have to have extremely strong cryptography to protect, um, you know, individual free speech, essentially. Um, and what, this is what I like the most, like cryptography, the way they put it, it enables physics and math to govern communication, not man-made laws. The idea is code is king. 
And I just like that because it's like you don't have to rely on um, some guy or like some some human who's potentially corrupt as fuck. It's just the code is the law. Whatever the code is meant to do, it will do that. It's just physics and math. It's cool. It's it's like there's no uh, counterparty risk. There's no third intermediary that can fuck up shit. I don't know. I find that really awesome. So they advocated for... Um, you know what? I can't say this fucking word. How do you say anonymity? Anonymity. <laughs> I just say it? Yeah. Anonymity. 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 Oh, anonymity. They advocated Anonymity. being anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the use of pseudonyms. So like pseudonyms, um, that's like, you know, on like Reddit, uh, like someone has a username. You don't know who they are, but that username is permanently, like we know who the username is at least. That's yeah. like a pseudonym. It's like you can have an identity, but like it's not your real identity. So the group, believe that securing um, anonymity and the use of pseudonyms is vital to preserving genuine free speech in an open society. And I think that's sick. Um, I don't know. And this was something interesting that it came up because like we're Canadian, we're not familiar with uh, the US history as much like we're not taught it in our education system um, in depth. But like the Federalist paper, I guess that was a collective pseudonym. It was it was written by a collective student. There was 85 articles and essays written by James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and John Jay. And they wrote to promote the ratification of the Constitution of the United States. But like they wrote it under pseudonyms. So I, I don't know. Mm. It's just like a cool example in history where like the use of a pseudonym was uh, important and led to important things. Um. So the cypherpunks, they also oppose censorship and monitoring. So like any police, government, or corporations, they, they completely oppose censorship and monitoring by that. Um, there was, I, there's like an example here, this clipper, clipper chip scheme for escrowed encryption of telephone conversations. Um the idea was like it's secure, like the governments they wanted. If you're going to use encryption, the idea was to like, it was called escrowed encryption. So like you could encrypt something and the idea was make it hard enough so that most hackers wouldn't know how to decrypt it, but make sure it's breakable by the government. <laughs> that was like the idea. They're like, if you're going to do encryption, like make sure there's a back door, essentially. And they're like, no, fuck that. They're like, no. So that was something that they advocated for. Um. Oh, this is an interesting one. This is like kind of a minor detail, but it was cool. They advocated the hiding, hiding the act of hiding. So like, they're like, make sure, like if you're going to have shit, have like fake secret data. So like if you're forcibly coerced, um, the interrogators only think they acquired what they want. <laughs> and that's what they advocate. So like, in you know, as a failsafe, like, because if you have the pub, the key to decrypt or whatever, they're like, just also have like a bunch of fake shit. Yeah, because like you Come still, you, yeah, 
it's called like the the five dollar wrench attack because it's like you can have all this encryption and like have all these strategies to like you know like oh they'll never find this piece of data which could be very very important in certain situations but like if someone just attacks you with a five dollar wrench it's like at some point you're going to give them the key or the password because <laughs> like you don't want to get beat to death <laughs> so they're like yeah so you have to like protect against that as well which is wise um now so these three founders that i brought up earlier uh this was uh what was his name eric what the fuck is his name eric hughes <laughs> Timothy C. May and John Gilmer, they actually were on the cover of Wired magazine in 1993. And they're like wearing masks and they kind of like looked like they were from the purge, like looking all creepy and shit. Like they were kind of like Slipknot before Slipknot was a band. It was just like, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Um, I have a quote from this article. Um, it's just kind of interesting what they had to say in it. They said the following quote the people in this room hope for a world where an individual's informational footprints everything from an opinion on abortion to the medical record of an actual abortion can be traced only if the individual involved chooses to reveal them a world where coherent messages shoot around the globe by network and microwave but intruders and feds trying to pluck them out of the vapor find only gibberish a world where the tools of prying are transformed into the instruments of privacy. There is only one way this vision will materialize, and that is by widespread use of the cryptography. Is this technologically possible? Definitely. The obstacles are political. Some of the most powerful forces in government are devoted to the control of these tools. In short, there is a war going on between those who would liberate crypto and those who would suppress it. The seemingly innocuous bunch stern around this conference room represents the vanguard of the pro-crypto forces. Though the battleground seems remote, the stakes are not. The outcome of this struggle may determine the amount of freedom our society will grant us in the 21st century. To the cypherpunks, freedom is an issue worth some risk. End quote. Now... What's really interesting about the cypherpunks is a lot of their ideas are, funny enough, influenced by prominent Austrian economists um, like Frederick Hayek, Ludwig von Mises, and like libertarian philosophies like Murray Rothbard. Um, and I, those names might not mean anything to a lot of people, but like in libertarian circles or like especially a lot of like with the cryptocurrency revolution right now, Austrian economics is like hot again. It's like, so like they actually, it's funny. Like they're kind of in, they're kind of creating the ideas that these really like philosophers of, of, you know, the early 19th century, um, like created and they're like creating code to like represent those ideas. It's kind of interesting. And that's that's what they were talking about. So like they're like advocating for empowering individuals and decentralizing power structures. Um, you know, they believe that they could instantiate Austrian economic principles into reality using code and kind of like not like like kind of 
per, put like a check on government or like undermine it through technological means. So they could like create networks where there's no own, owners at all using code. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, that way nobody has the power. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 the idea, and like the best representation. Like, I mean, the internet is decentralized, but not really anymore because like we rely on um, centralized servers to do anything. Right. Like if you're going to use the Internet, like you have to go through like YouTube or like Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not really decentralized, but what they're advocating for is like a complete decentralization. So. And I don't know, it's it's just it's just an interesting idea. I like it a lot. Um, OK, so let's talk about like the legal battles, the the freedom of speech in software that came out of this and like how the government was suppressing these cypherpunks, like these fucking, you got a bunch of nerds talking about math and like Austrian economics and philosophy. And they're like, we, we got to breath, snuff them out. Like, it's just so, I don't know what the word is. It, it's all, it's like juvenile. Like it's like, ah, it's just like, does do, do you, did you get that impression? Like listening or reading about this? Like, it's like someone, figured out a, a good way of like say you're like playing a game like i don't know whatever it is hawk let's just use hockey because we're canadian and like someone figures out like a cool way to stick handle and they start like wrecking everybody because they have like a better move and you're like you can't do that you can't do that no you know or like you know what i mean it's like yeah. it's so fucking juvenile it's like no like they're just better like they just thought of a better way of doing things it's fine it, it kind of reminds <laughs> me of a. Uh... The movie, um, Semi Pro, where it's Will Ferrell and then uh, like uh, that one guy, Andre Three Thousand, and they like do an ollie oop for the f- first time. Oh yeah! <laughs> and the refs like blowing the whistle. He's like, "That's illegal!" And they're like, "What? <laughs> Why is it illegal?" He's like, "I don't know. It's just illegal." Yeah. <laughs> but then that like just takes over basketball. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like stop stop it's illegal yeah oh my god it's so like i don't know it's just like the more you know the more you participate in society and age the more you're just like this is so ridiculous like these guys are like having a temper tantrum because like they can't spy on your personal communication Like, what? I just want to be able to, like, if I just need to, like, fuck you over or, like, blackmail you, like, why can't I? I was voted in, man. You voted for me. Like, it's like, oh, my God. It's just, it's just really funny. So, anyways. uh, But, like, yeah. They always just choose to focus on, like, the extreme ends and, like, the bad. But literally, like, any sort of technology or advancement or anything there's going to be bad users of it users that want to use it yeah for evil and then people that just use it normally and people that want to use it for good like yep i don't know any any technology is like that yeah technology is neutral what's not neutral is how people use it yeah. and that's like it's like it's, well, this will come up like it's like fire like we discovered should we just not have discovered fire because like people use it to like burn houses down and like burn people to death yeah. Or like, was fire a good thing? 
you know what I mean? Like you probably had cavemen at the time. They're like, that's not fair. You have fire. Stop. <laughs> and it's like, fuck off, man. Like this is how innovation works. It's, it's shut the fuck up. Or, you know, like, cause even with the encryption shit, they're like freaking out. And it's like, okay, you guys all use telephones in the 1990s. And it's like people use telephones to like kidnap people and like arrange like assassinations and like, you know, arrange crime. It's like, should we just not have telephones because people will use the telephones badly? It's like, no, telephones like fucking helped all of society. Communication across like the ocean and shit. That's huge. It's the same thing with any 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 technology. It's the same shit. So like, I don't know. It's It's that argument is very... I'm going to use the word again because it's it's very juvenile. It's very it's very juvenile argument. So anyway, the, the NSA they make that argument. They 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 try halt public key cryptography. That was the cryptography I was telling you uh, in the 1970s that came the public key cryptography. And it's the same. This is exactly what we're talking about. They're like the program's going to help criminals. It's going to enable terrorists. And the government started calling public key cryptography modern weapons technology. This is another, this is like a classic, classic play of the central planners. It's like, it's like <laughs> whatever the thing is, like blow it the fuck up with some new cool term. So instead of just calling it cryptography, they're like, it's modern weapons technology. It's modern weapons technology. But literally it's just holding the key. Yeah, it's just like program. it's like so we already we already beat this to death, but it's like the same like any technology you can it the technology is neutral. It's it's people that <laughs> that choose to be evil or good, but at the end of the day, innovation and technology is required to have a thriving civilization. So we shouldn't just throw shit away because evil people are going to be evil. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. To me, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. There might be people out there where it does make sense, but like, I don't know. You're you're listening to this on like a piece of technology that was like made by like child labor or like, you know, or like used to like sex traffic by someone else. And it's like, you're using it. Like you use a cell phone. Like people are sex trafficking with that. Yeah. Even like the inventors <laughs> of said technology, like they can't predict how people are going to use them or like what's gonna yeah. happen with it like this was a very niche group um you know it could have just stayed niche or you know expanded um could have undermined yeah. governments completely you know you, you it's very hard to like predict what's gonna happen all the consequences and outcomes of implementing such yeah thing. i don't even so, think you can predict it no that's why it's, it's, it's it should stay neutral yeah so public cr- key cryptography literally made government spying impossible so um the nsa told the mathematicians who made the code that if they published the code they would land in federal prison so they started threatening them with jail time taking away their freedoms the disruption or sorry the distribution of the code was a crime under the international traffic and arms laws so they're like, yeah, if you publish this work on public key cryptography, like that's jail and it's it's illegal. So at the time, MIT was doing this research. So they halted the publication of the research. And this guy, 
His name was Mark Miller. He's a computer scientist and a cypherpunk. Um, he was like pissed off. He was fired up about it. He's like, I think there's a quote of him. He literally said, he's like, they're going to classify this quite literally over my dead body. So he went upon himself. He was 20 years old at the time. He was a student at Yale. He goes to MIT and he gets a paper copy of the research. And then he just starts making copies of it. He like went to different locations where they copy shit and just made a bunch of fucking copies. And then he sent them to home and hobbyist computer organizations and magazines and magazines. He's like, fuck all of you. Like, no, I'm distributing this. He just like did it. He just did it. And I don't know. I just thought that was sick. He was like 20. He just, he just did it. He's like, fuck you. No, I'm doing it. He gave copies to some of his friends and he's like, if I disappear, make sure this gets out. So like, he was like literally gonna, he was ready to go. Like, he's like, if you kill me, put me in jail. Like this is out. Um, 1978, the government actually backed off and MIT published the paper. So this was like an early win in the cypherpunk movement. Um, dating all the way back to the fucking seventies, man, all the way back then the government was already like, no, no. And this one guy, this one 20 year old, just like, he, he just like stopped it. He, I don't know. I just think it's sick. It shows one person can make a massive difference to empower individuals. The NSA and the intelligence community, they still say cryptography threatens the nation. They're like saying it threatens the nation. And this other guy, his name was Phil Zimmerman. He came up with PGP encryption. So PGP encryption, this allows communication to be private. It basically, I keep saying empowers individuals, but this is true, it does. And it was immediately used by uh, like freedom fighters in oppressive regimes to like organize and try secure basic civil liberties. So like as soon as he releases this code, you know the, the you have the government saying the NSA saying, oh, this is like modern weapons technology type shit. And he's like, okay, but like in this authoritarian regime, it's like allowing citizens to like organize you know, instead of them being like beat by like a police state and like thrown in jail and shit, it's like they can actually coordinate. So he's like, so I don't understand what you're talking about. Um, he was investigated for three years criminally. Uh, they, he, they said he was guilty of exporting weapons. <laughs> and the NSA, they're like, pedophiles are using it. They're going to exploit the tech. It's the same, it's the same shit. It's, it's, ter- it's a bomb. It's terrorism. It's pedophiles, you know, it's sex trafficking. Yeah. Those are like the, the, I don't know, what, like the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse when it comes to banning shit. Well, yeah, it's like everyone can agree, like everyone's going to say pedophiles are bad. Everyone's going to yes. say sex trafficking is bad. So it's like, it's, it's, it's hard to argue against it when they, when they start bringing that up. But then it's, it goes to the same thing. It's like, okay, so let's just yeah. turn off all the internet and the telephones. Yeah. And let's, you know, we can't have, you can't have envelopes. When you go send mail and letters, like you can't have an envelope. It's got to be all open, all, like you would have to rail back that far, like actually. So it's, it's a moot point. It's very, it's a very, it's very trite. It's just like, it's, it's, I don't know. Um, anyways. John Gilmore, the uh, the cypherpunk, he advocated that government control of code or encryption violates the First Amendment 
that protects free speech. So this is where shit gets really cool to me. The Clinton administration, (laughs) just funny, the Clinton, of course, they say that, uh, quote, Americans have no constitutional right to choose their own method of encryption, end quote. That's what they're saying. They're like, fuck you, American citizens. You don't get to choose what encryption you use. It's like, okay, like, why, like, fuck you. How about that? <laughs> like, how about, how about just fuck you, Clinton administration? So the Clinton administration, they pushed for companies to build, uh, this is what I was saying earlier, um, encryption systems that have like back doors that the government can use. Um, they, they would say that they're like, you can build strong encryption, but like it has to have a back door. And it's like, okay, so like it's not strong then. Like, like what? they wish they uh, had encryption for Hillary Clinton's emails. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah, probably. <laughs> if only they had the encryption technology. Yeah. If only <laughs> that's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Should have known. Um, <laughs> so this is this is what they're facing right and like these are just like like we were saying like, these are like a bunch of computer nerds they're like oh shit like the government's against us and like the government's like massive like you have like the world's like largest military and like the nsa against you then you have like two thousand guys on an email list they're like what are we gonna do you know like like yeah it the the, the it's such a david and goliath story so this is what they do um the cypherpunks they decide to print Phil Zimmerman's PGP code onto paper and bind it into a book. So like literally the code that the you would you would use to run the software to do this, they just like wrote it out in a book. And <laughs> then they're like they like they were like going to publish it and ship it to bookstores. So then the the argument is it's like okay if the government wants to go to court on the grounds that like printing and distributing a book is illegal they would just get laughed out of the courtroom because it's retarded. Like yeah. <laughs> that's like that doesn't even make sense. They're like you can't publish this book and they're like okay, well good luck with that. So then basically out of that they start doing like other creative shit to like fuck with the government. They start printing the code onto T-shirts, <laughs> like, like it's like just the codes on a T-shirt. So like, is this like against the law? Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't publish this T-shirt because there's code on it. Some guys were literally tattooing uh, parts of the code under their body, and they're like, "Is this a modern weapons technology?" I, so I just like can't leave the U.S. and go to a country because I'm transporting illegal weapons. So essentially what happened next, the government just shut right the fuck up. They just like, they're like, they couldn't do anything. They're like, all right, we're not pursuing criminal charges against Phil Zimmerman. And two court cases found that encryption is protected by the First Amendment. So now code is free speech. Which is sick. They also never answered because like the people with the t-shirts and the tattoos, they like asked through the agencies, like officially, formally, like these these things like is it illegal for me to travel and the government just never said anything because saying yeah. no or yes could like lead them 
to a courtroom, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. they could get sued for it. So the best thing yeah, to do just, was just never answer. Just shut the fuck up. It's such a brilliant story. I fucking love it so much. Um, I don't know. It's it just it's it's it it fucking torques me up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. You know, uh, <laughs> listening to it. So like, I have just like so essentially right i i want so that was like the cypherpunk story but there's kind of shit going on right now so i had like a quick section on this before we go into final thoughts so like the cypherpunk movement like that was a huge win for them but like basically it lost a lot of momentum so like if you think about it they they did all this encryption technology but like now everyone just gives away their data for free so you can have like social media brownie points, like basically. So it's like the information that people just give away, I, I, including myself, like we just give our data away. This is information that like Stalin, Mao and Hitler would have fucking killed for. They would have killed more for, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we just like give it away for free. Like even, even genetic data, like just because it's like kind of cool. It's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> 23 and me. Yeah, like it's just so like it, you can think like that movement kind of although it did a lot and there are ways to encrypt stuff it's not in the the modern ethos to use that these types of technology. So, but what's interesting, this ethos has been like completely renewed in the last like decade, especially the last like 4 years, I would say. Like this it's being renewed because of the rise of cryptocurrencies so like this these ideas that the cypherpunks were you know spout like screaming at the top of their lungs through the 90s early 2000s that kind of get lost in the age of social media they're back and like people are being educated and they're learning about these things and it's 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 kind of interesting so like the idea of you know it's like cryptocurrency will separate money from the state at some point which is really interesting and like the cypherpunks they did talk about this all the time they're like the holy grail of this movement would be to figure out a way to have individuals control their economic energy and it's like now we have like this technology that's arising that is kind of giving that economic freedom. And that to me is very, um, I don't know, it's very new and exciting. It's like, we have it now. We, we like, it's, it's like I was saying in the 1970s and 80s where you have like a select group of people who like even understand or know what the internet is and they understand its implications. It's like, we're kind of there right now with like economic freedom. We've never had something like that. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, we don't even know where this is going to lead. Yeah. And I remember like just hearing about the whole issue with encryption and stuff when uh, like people would use like the Silk Road or what was that other, other one called? I don't remember that, but uh, Silk Road. Yeah. That was an early yeah. uh, <laughs> open market that got shut down. Yeah. But just to like exchange like bits and coins, I guess, for real world like things that people didn't want to get caught with. Um, I remember like just growing up, like hearing about those news stories where it's like, oh, 
somebody was selling, you know, cocaine and methamphetamine online <laughs> using yeah. Bitcoin. And yeah. then it like for two weeks and then the feds cracked down on it or something. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the that Silk Road incident v- gave a very uh, tainted picture for what cryptocurrency is. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> you're right. That was that's uh, when you talk cryptocurrency, that's the immediate thing people think. But like really what it is. um, it's it's so much more it's in the same way that the internet empowered individuals it's the same thing but with economic energy it's something and the the, the cypherpunks they they said this was the holy grail they could never figure it out they couldn't figure it out there was so many honestly we could do a whole topic on it the failed systems that were tried before bitcoin came out of nowhere and then you have like all these other other like ethereum things like this that come on like they had like there was like hash cash failed there was like zcash failed there was like digigold there's like all these things that were coming out of the cypherpunk mailing list fucking failed and then yeah. like in 2009 they got it right someone we don't even know who it is they got it right yeah they some did people it. say he, he was a cypherpunk oh most definitely most definitely yeah <laughs> uh but you know that's their they're anonymous and they're use pseudonyms and so we don't know who the yeah. fuck it is or a group of people. It's impossible to know, but I just think it's really cool. Um, maybe let's go into final thoughts and, and riff on this shit. Sure. The first thing I just wanted to say, like the rise of education and cypherpunk principles, like we kind of already said this, but like, it seems like it's renewed. Do you feel like this is somewhat i don't know like i know for me personally this is like it's like very exciting and it's like something i've never i i never understood until you know i started learning about this kind of shit do you feel the same or what do you, what do you think yeah i uh, i definitely think it's renewed like back in the 90s it was all about like messaging and you know having a decentralized way for people to just organize themselves they wanted to like create their own groups or whatever uh but then like renewed is cryptocurrency and wanting a decentralized form of like financial freedom essentially uh but yeah i would definitely say it's renewed now and like even going back to like 2008 2009 um you know when bitcoin came out you it was coming out at at a economic collapse oh yeah yeah i guess so it's like yeah they're bailing out the banks (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's when people started like thinking about this like yeah why why are we bailing out the perpetrators that yeah. kind of like fucked up um but yeah it's definitely renewed now um and like you said within the like the last four years maybe a lot of things in conjunction that added to the renewal yep. but i definitely think that there's a a, a larger population that want freedom not just financially but you know decentralized messaging encryption etc just so they're not just so they regain the power that we've kind of given up over the last few decades yeah and we didn't even really notice it as a fun fact the the first block of bitcoin encoded in the block there is a a message it's the headline from 2008 when they they gave the second bailout to the banks 
it's like literally encoded in the Genesis block. So it's, it's just kind of cool. Like, cause like clearly the fact that it's like a political statement, you know what I mean? Yeah. In the, t- it's like encoded forever in the very first block. So it's kind of interesting, cool. but like, kind of like what you were saying, like we didn't, yeah, we've kind of completely, um, forgot the the point of having like checks and balances and like setting up things in such a way that like you can't corrupt it and i think that's i think that's becoming renewed as this education comes on and you have like young folk who would have otherwise never like no one's gonna sit down and read like an austrian economic like treatise or like an essay like no one's gonna go read like murray rothbard or like ludwig von mises and shit but it's like people are being educated on these principles just through participating with the new technology. Like it's, you can't not like learn about these principles. Um, you don't even learn about them. It's just like, you just experience them because it's embedded in the design of these systems. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really incredible. And like one thing I wanted to mention is like um there's an entire have you heard of like the dumb phone movement? No, you heard of I this? haven't. No. So the what's going on, more and more people every year are throwing away their smartphones and they're using they just call them dumb phones. Yeah. And you like you can you can text and call, and that's like basically it. And it's not a small movement there's billions of these sold every year and it's increasing so there's a large portion of the population that are and you can look there's like testimonials people are like you know i did a one month challenge without a smartphone and it's 12 months later and i'm still not using one because i'm way happier and it's way better so you have this entire move it's like (laughs) you have this entire thing where we have this these devices where using your data you've become this product and what your your essentially your attention is the product so anything that can keep you sucked on that device looking at shit scrolling through shit ha 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 nom nom pressing buttons and like seeing lights (laughs) and shit and like fuck that bitch and like you know like take whatever it is whatever they do to like keep you on it's it's destroying humans so people are just like fuck this i'm going to the dumb phone like fuck giving up my data i'm just gonna i just need to text and call that's it so there's this there's this whole i don't know like i'm seeing this ethos i'm seeing people they're sick of it they're sick of the shit um this was we did our federal reserve topic um a while back and like the end the fed movement like this is something that people like you have like 18 year olds being like end the fed (laughs) it's like like the education is is it's people are starting to understand like the the central banking practices um enabled by the federal reserve like you know what i'm like there's this i what am i trying to say it feels to me like the common individual is starting to understand um they're starting to see the system around them in a different way and they're starting to see how they're eating a bunch of shit in many ways 
and how it could be different and how the technology to make it different is already here. Yeah. No, I'll definitely agree with that. I mean, for the last 10 to 15 years, it's just kind of been like the peak of like social media users and like even the older generation getting involved in social media and stuff. And now it's already kind of like starting to fizzle out where people like even you, you talk to like 10 people, one of one of those 10 people is going to be like, oh, yeah, I like got rid of Facebook or I got rid yeah. of Instagram because I just wanted to yeah. like just didn't want it anymore. And they like yeah. slowly start. And then it's like once you don't have social media, it's like, OK, what's the point of a smartphone? So you just, yeah, no, I'm definitely seeing it a lot more. But uh, if people don't have smartphones, how are they going to listen to the Swerve podcast? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah! It's a catch-22! <laughs> you download it and put it on your fucking iPod like, like, like we used to. <laughs> and I still do. <laughs> I Dude, I still use a fucking iPod Nano every day. I swear yeah. to God. I swear to God, I have a little fucking iPod Nano I use. So, <laughs> if I can do it, you can too. <laughs> um, I have like I have other shit to say in this final thought here. So there's uh, I wanted to throw this out here because when I was doing uh, this is something I came across recently and I was like sick. There's this because uh, we're talking about how all the servers are centralized and you have like Twitter and like all this shit and like all your data just gets used against you and sold and you're essentially just a product um, trying to capture your attention. There is this company. They developed this, uh, this soft, this software slash server system. It's crazy. It's called Urbit. And basically the idea is instead of having these, it's called Urbit. They call it Urbit. Urbit. That's how, that's how they pronounce it. Yeah. And, what it is it's a personal computer server so instead of having to when you interact with the internet now you're connecting with these large centralized servers that's how you use facebook or youtube or anything what urbit is it's i would have my own personal server you would have your own personal server he's got his own personal server everyone has their own personal server and we all just interact without a third party it's a decentralization of it's really it's you kind of brought this up early in the early in the 90s when the internet was a thing it was very decentralized and then it became more centralized as you have these different social media apps and like different platforms raising that give people value in exchange for their data so everything centralizes what this is it's like its own personal computer server you have your own shit and it's crazy so like my point is it's like in the same way the cypherpunks are like, no, we have to have encryption and they like overcome the government. And then you have like these financial crashes and someone they're like people are like, okay, fuck, obviously central banks and governments and big banks and big finance can't be trusted. We need our own system. So like Bitcoin comes out of fucking nowhere. It's the same shit with this. It's like everyone's like, Twitter's a pro like we can't like Twitter sucks, Facebook sucks, Instagram sucks, they all suck. They're censoring. Like even even in our what what are you posted a fucking photo of uh what was it? Uh an Arizona iced tea with a $45 symbol on it. They're like, this is incorrect. <laughs> it's like yeah, obviously you know what like the fact check, yeah. like all this bullshit. 
It's like you can just completely overcome that if you just all have your own personal computer server and then just run whatever software you want without the intermediary. It's crazy. So like this is something that just this is this is really new. And like I'm just throwing it out there because it fit the topic perfect. And I'm like, this could be like, you know, in, you know, in like 2009, you're like, ah, fuck, I wish I would have bought Bitcoin. Yeah, this could be that. This could be that hmm. you own your server. And what's I want? Sorry, I sound like I'm a fucking salesman for this. I just this came up through the research of these topics. Um, what's really cool about it, like, you know how there's different coding systems people use to like code. There's like Java, HTML, like all this shit. The guy who developed it, he just made his own coding system. It has its own completely new code, and like you to you have to like learn that language to like write on it. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. It's like there's like a decentralized internet available right now and like a decentralized economic system right now and like fucking buy a dumb phone and we're good. <laughs> Last thing I had to say, if that wasn't, that was crazy already. <laughs> you start seeing there's the emergence. Have you heard of like networked states and like smart villages and private cities? You might have heard me say smart village yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. But that's about but, it. Yeah. These are coming up all over the fucking place. You have these network states where people are connecting online that and they're like, we're just going to like have our own. We're just going to do it our way. Networked. And then you have like these people, they're like literally creating smart villages where people are sick of shit. They're all coming together and they like they're like remote entrepreneurs and they're like building these self-sustaining villages where they can do their entrepreneurship from because they can just work online and shit. And it's like like they're like making their own cities and like states. This is crazy. It's I don't know how big this like my point being the network state might sound like a stupid phenomenon. But at some point, you're going to have millions of people connected. They're in different places geographically, but they're all in one place digitally. And they're all using, they're not using US dollars. They're not using Canadian dollars. They're not using yen. They're using some cryptocurrency and they're coordinating millions of fucking people. It's kind of nuts. That's the metaverse, right? Well... No, because these people don't like the metaverse. <laughs> it's the <not laughs> metaverse, but not. <laughs> okay, it's but the metaverse. I don't know. My point being, I don't know. My point being is there. it seems to me like people are choosing a different way. And I think we're at the beginning of this. And I don't know where it's going to lead to, but I think it's, I think, I think, I don't know, dare I say, Dare I say we might be the first century where like massive government corruption doesn't kill people. Like it's going to still happen for a long time, but like in 50 years, we could be to a point where like we've just, we've developed the technology to completely sidestep um, corruption. I, I, I feel like that's hopeful because I feel like it's in human nature to want to be in power 
And there's yes, always going to be people that want the power. Yes. And that'll undermine the technology and they'll find a way like who has the money to set up the networks and servers or, you know, stuff like Possibly. that. Yeah, it's possible. But I believe it's not we do not we are not human beings behave based on incentives, not because of a, a, a like a, a social construct. If you set up the incentives correctly, we will behave to align with those incentives. So if you can encode those incentives in such a way where it is it is a detriment to you to go against the system, you will go with that system. So there is no room for although you could there, there you still could you still like the five dollar wrench attack you could go around killing people trying to get shit but like the logic of violence decreases through these systems and i think that's a good thing i'm not saying it's gonna go maybe it sure maybe i sound uh i should have been less high used less hyperbole there will always be some basal level of shit <laughs> but like I think this is going to massively reduce the shit. That's, yeah. That's more. I could, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in 50 years, there might not, you know, there might not be such a thing as, uh, I don't know, like a large nation state invading other fucking nations and murdering people. That might be, that might not even make sense in the new system coordinated through encryption and like empowering the individuals through technology. I don't know. You think we're all going to get nuked and die. Is that what it is? <laughs> I mean, that's a possibility filter. as well. Yeah, that's probably more likely. We've just come to the end of a human life cycle. <laughs> or It's possible. We, we're either at a great filter or like a new enlightenment. That's I choose to think we're at the new enlightenment. It's just going to take time for people to understand. And they don't even need to understand like this technology eats the world every single time. Technology always eats the world. So like people can even be like, no, but we'll see. Like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna spread. It's gonna, people are going to use it. It's going to be better. We'll organize a different way. Hopefully we organize better than we have. I hope so. Yeah. Cool story. I'm glad, uh, Glad you brought the topic up. All right, let's uh, let's rip out of this. Um, thank you to Sidestepping the Sun, a Canadian rock band that made the intro and outro music to the podcast. Shout out to them for doing that. As always, El Yucateco fucking hot sauce. King of flavor. I'm just going to keep shouting out El Yucateco hot sauce until they sponsor this podcast because I like the hot sauce and I eat it almost every day. I think if you like spicy food, and I know I like spicy food and I like the hot sauce, you would like it. It's habanero-based, so it's not bullshit ketchup, stupid shit that you get. Um, I don't know. That's Yeah, I'm just going to keep – it's just good. It's good shit. Izzo, what else do you have to say? Just want to mention one more time about our Patreon. So patreon.com slash the Swerve Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, um, there's more episodes for you you to enjoy uh it they're located on our patreon simple structure so far there's a one dollar ride the wave tier and that'll give you access 
to the monthly episodes that we release on Patreon. You'll also get access to all the episodes we've released on Patreon so far for just a dollar. And then we have the $3 slap the ass tier, and that'll give you access to those episodes. But you will also get the main and Patreon episodes a few days before everyone else. So you'll receive them on Sundays rather than our typical drop time of Wednesdays. So that's the incentive there to go up a tier. And it's a cooler name. Yeah. There's other ways to support support us that aren't financial, like Patreon obviously is good way to support us but other ways is just simply interacting with us on our social medias <laughs> after just like dissing social media and like shitting on yeah, them the whole we're episode such, we're such so fucking like, cocks <laughs> yeah. we're such a little fucking cocks follow us <laughs> follow me man like you gotta get in the loop how you gonna well, know until we have an encrypted way to message us and like create hey. our own, own community you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get an Urbit Planet, which is a personal server. And uh, uh, maybe, yeah, once I get it set up, maybe we can grow a community on that. Because that would be sick. We'd be the first to do it, probably. Yeah. I mean, that would be I'm going to cool. do it. I'm going to get an I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm whole, I'll, I'll do it. You'll, you're going to learn an entire coding language. No, I don't have to learn okay. shit. They've already <laughs> figured that out. I just have to get my own... They they call it a planet. It, it's it's your own server. Yeah, I'll just get one and I'll figure out how to use it. And then if other listeners would like one, we can grow a community on there, completely decentralized, no third party intermediary. That would be cool. Uh, yeah. Until we have that, uh, you can message us on <laughs> yeah, our social we- media. You know, tell us it was a good episode. Recommend topics. Recommend drinks. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, it's it it keeps us going and that's the interaction that we are kind of limited to because we are anonymous or we like to keep our anonymity yeah, we're, we're cypherpunks bro <laughs> we're cypherpunks or wannabe cypherpunks <laughs> i'm definitely a wannabe cypherpunk <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of what i had to say they're like i feel like you know you know when you're like a little kid and there's like the kids are four four grades older than you and they're like always cool the cool kids no matter what even if they're not they're just cool because yeah. they're older yeah. that's like me i'm like the young kid and like the older kids are the cypherpunks and they're like you can't come and i'm like but i want <laughs> to learn I'm like no so anyways um what were we saying stickers did we talk about stickers we have sticker packs um we are giving them out to people who leave us five-star written reviews on Apple Podcast, or you just make a case for yourself. You don't have Apple Podcast because, um, I don't know, you don't like Steve Jobs or whatever the fuck. It's fine. Just uh, make a case. You can subscribe. People have like, they've been like, hey, I subscribed on YouTube. I liked you on Instagram and I follow you here. Send me some stickers. And we just, it we're pretty simple. Like we don't have a high bar of sending stickers. <laughs> like yeah. it's, we want to send them out. We'll ship them out for free. Uh, I should say while supplies last, um, because we are we are ripping through these sticks. These sticks are <laughs> we're ripping through them, man. <laughs> like people are we're pe- we're fucking supplying people, and that's the other thing that's kind of cool. We got we got people on the ground. We've had a number of individuals um, say they're just like, "Hey, I'm just just send me stickers. I'm going to put them up all over my town, covertly." 
it's kind of interesting. We've had a few people do that. Shout out to yeah. uh, George Bojo. I know that's a pseudonym, so I can say his full name. And uh, Kennedy and Dana. These people, they're on the ground putting stickers. Stickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome to uh, see, and we definitely appreciate it. Also, yeah. I want to say, like, Steve Jobs was probably a cy- cypherpunk or influenced by them, oh, too. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because Apple really... It's yeah, the only personal one personal computer. Yeah. 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 That like have their encryption. And even if the government's like, let's get access to their messages. They're like, no, you can't. Like, no, we can't. We can't even. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they're, they're in the privacy game. They're strong, but they're, they're also weak in many ways. Yeah. Um, Cause they left the back door open. <laughs> <laughs> That's just be funny. <laughs> How fucking gay is the government? <laughs> just leave, leave your the back, back door, door open, us. man. I just want to get in the back door. <laughs> Anyways. Um, also, we want to say for one centralized platform, Linktree. Fuck you. Oh, yeah. Fuck Linktree. <laughs> is it, are they even still a thing? Like. I feel like I don't know. I think I, I think we've uh, taken them down. So I think we've taken them down. <laughs> um, we'll take credit right. on this one. Yeah. All right. We got another episode to record, so let's uh, uh, let's slap that ass and ride the wave. say that they're like you can build strong encryption but like it has to have a back door and it's like okay so like it's not strong then i bet they wish they uh had encryption for hillary clinton's emails oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs>